Welcome to Hempire. I'm your host, Gabby Boudreaux, co-founder of Divine Elements. Check out our CBD and botanical wellness selection online at mydivineelements.com, where you can use the code wellness20 for 20% off your first order. A leaf buyer report recently found that just 42% of CBD brands tested all of their products for potency. Additionally, the vast majority of products tested were outside the limits of accepted variants. If you've ever wondered how to read a certificate of analysis, we're here to help. We're going to break it down for you today. Our guest today holds a PhD from the University of California, San Diego, and a master's degree in analytical chemistry from SDSU from a joint doctoral program at San Diego State University. He tests a range of products in cannabis on the daily. He is the co-founder and CEO of Infinite Chemical Analysis Labs. Josh Schweider, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on, Gabby. How's your day going? It's going well, and thank you so much for being here. So 42% of CBD brands were recently found to test uh, their products for potency, and that's just potency. Um, I, I don't know the statistic on um, you know pesticides and residual solvents, heavy metals, mold. You know, There's a lot of things that we should be looking for. What do you think about this study? Is this something you're seeing um, kind of as the norm right now in, in cannabis and hemp really specifically? Yeah. So, I mean, this, so talking about just hemp, I mean, potency, 42%, I would say that's higher than it used to be. We've been uh, testing. So, Infinite Chemical Analysis Labs, we started in 2016. We started testing hemp and cannabis back then. I would say the hemp products tested back then was maybe 1%. Um, so, that statistic is going up. Um, it doesn't say anything if the, the, the products are matching their claim. I'm not saying that at all. I think 42% would be extremely high for that. But uh, you kind of brought up another great point too, is are they just testing for potency only? I would say people testing more than potency is less than 5%. Wow. Okay. So we're, there's a lot, um, there's a lot of uh, variables when it comes to testing a CBD product or a cannabis product. Um, but specifically we'll, we'll talk, you know, about CBD because, uh, just right now, because that's what the study was focusing on. Um, when it says, you know, that they were outside of the acceptable, uh, limits for variants, what exactly does that mean? Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah. So in, in hemp, there's going to be a variance that's allowed or any kind of product. So let's say you're just going to be dealing with a hemp product. And let's just go for an example, a hemp gummy that you're going to eat at night for CBD and the benefits for taking it. Normally the hemp gummies are, we, we see them range from five milligrams per gummy up to, I've seen up to a hundred milligrams per gummy. So when someone turns in a, something to be tested, you'd hope the manufacturer would batch test by the batch produced, not just do one test and then produce for four years gummies, but that's also something that we see. So they should be batch testing them. So let's say they batch test them and they go ahead and they make their gummies theoretically, they, they, they do their math and they spike the gummies or whatever they make into their gummy mixture. And then they go ahead and they turn it into a third-party independent lab like we are in a chemical analysis. And they, and we get the result back and you know there's 10 gummies in a bag and we, we calculate that there's 105 milligrams of CBD. That means each gummy would have an average you know, of 10, five milligrams. But a lot of times what we see in the hemp industry and the cannabis industry is more regulated, but the hemp industry, people will label things like hundred milligrams per gummy. And then there's 
five milligrams per gummy. And you see these huge variations. So not even talking about an acceptable variation. So an acceptable variation that, that would be used by a regulatory body. Like the one mostly people would look at would be cannabis kind of to model that off of currently. And that what, what we would look at is the 10, 10 to 12% variance. So meaning that if they said the CBD, there's 10 per gummy, they could really go to 11 and down to nine. And that would be an acceptable variance for a manufacturing process. So, okay, so there can be a little bit of variance within um, CBD and cannabis products um, when it comes to testing and when it comes to formulating and, and, and producing these products, um, which seems, you know, that seems fair to me. Uh, but when there are products that are well outside of the acceptable, acceptable variance, you know, some products, um, I do remember, I think it was... I don't know, some news outlet, I want to say two years ago, had done a, a random, you know, uh, they conducted a, a study of their own, a private study where they had, uh, they had ordered, I don't know, maybe, you know, 20 or 30 CBD brands from across the nation, maybe it was more than that. Um, and they had tested them. And a, a, the majority of those products tested had no CBD in them at all. Um, have you encountered that? Work. Have you encountered that? <laughs> Gabby, I think that study was my study. Oh, okay. Maybe it was <laughs> it you was then. Thanks it for was, doing yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. So that was on Amazon. So that was about two, three years ago when we saw Amazon had major pickup. And they always called it hemp product or hemp oil product. So no one ever claimed their CBD necessarily. And that was their loophole to get on Amazon. And we actually worked with Amazon over the years and trying to pressure them to call for COAs and, and products like this. Because and that's one of the reasons why we did that study is to prove to Amazon you're allowing people to, to do fraud on on your website you know producing fraud and selling a fraud product yeah so that we saw that a major rampant problem with that people were literally just buying like hasbro gummies putting them in a new package and selling them to people for you know 50 dollars a tin instead of the two you know 20 cents they paid for the hasbro gummies or whatever gummy manufacturer they're using so we saw that and that, that's one thing we've always at infinite chemical analysis labs been trying to point out is just people should really look for these COAs, but then, you know, they, they get busted and like, I don't know what a COA even stands for. Where do I go from there? And then, I mean, that's why we appreciate what you're doing even here and trying to have people, you know, open people's eyes to what they should be looking for. They should be looking for batch tested COAs and things like that. And I, that's why I'm glad to come on the show today. Yeah. So COAs can be very confusing, even for myself, when we first started uh, in, you know, 2017, uh, 2018, when we started, and there was very, very, very little guidance um, from any regulatory body uh, on how to go about, you know, producing and, and manufacturing, marketing these products to consumers. Um, there still is little guidance um, in regards to the FDA about how to market these products to consumers. But it was really, it was something, um, you know, just, not just myself, but for other brands that have been around for a long time, it was something we kind of just had to navigate um, the ups and downs of, of, of COAs and of testing of, you know, the kind of the um, general consensus of the community, what we wanted to see for product testing. Um, so it took a while for me to understand certificates of analysis or COAs. Can you um, explain to us, give us a breakdown, kind of simply what a COA is, what we might find, what kinds of, uh, what kind of information and contents we might find on a certificate analysis, how to interpret those kinds of, uh, that kind of information um, as a consumer when you're looking for a CBD product. Definitely. So when looking at CBD products, you always want to start looking at the certificate analysis or 
or something produced with it or being sold. A lot of times, uh, major retailers of any set of CBD product will post these. So like they, they made a batch of gummies. They should have a batch number. So start just general things on a COA. Certificate analysis is just going to be what the third-party testing lab received and then tested. So what we're going to do for, for sticking with potency, we're going to obtain the, the sample, and then we would test the potency. So the potency will give us the different cannabinoids, like cannabinoid analysis. And we'll be looking for the different cannabinoids like CBD and THC and things like that. Because one thing that we see in CBD gummies too is a lot of times you'll get THC. But what you should really remember is a COA is different analysis used in science normally. So what we did even at Infinite Chemical Analysis Labs, we said, how can we make this for the easy, the everyday consumer to read or just a general person and not make it too complicated? So we, we, we do things like breaking it down. So a lot of times if we're sticking with gummies, well, we'll report per gummy. So it'll say 10 milligrams or 10 milligram per gummy on the COA, then it also have more data like the percentage based upon weight and things like that. So you want to really look what you're looking for. So another common thing we see in the CBD industry is tinctures, and normally they're reported per bottle. So this is one of those things that you'll see a thousand milligrams CBD per bottle. And we will report that per bottle or per milliliter. So then the consumer would know. So that's a really big important thing to do is when you buy a product, one thing I would look for on a COA is to make sure it has a batch number on it. And what do I mean by that is, is your is your vendor or your person producing a product testing by batch or do they just test us one time in, 19, you know, in 2005? They're, they're just gonna stand by that one potency analysis. They shouldn't be doing that. I'm not just trying to upsell tests. I'm, you should check your product at the end, make sure you're selling the right thing because you never know what you're gonna get and the errors can happen in production or buying the sourcing material and, and what have you. So really looking, does it match what it's saying? You know, give variance. If it says 1500 milligrams per bottle and it says 1498, they're not lying to you. That's relatively the same number, especially in analytical chemistry, you're relatively getting the same result. So you want to look for that. Another thing you should really look out for, for on COAs in any kind of industry is some kind of way to make it back to a third-party independent lab. So one thing we did is on all of our COAs, we have a QR code. If you were to use your iPhone or any other thing and you go to that QR code, it'll take you back to a, a secured website that we host. So you would see the real result because in the day of age of everyone has a computer, Photoshop, I can go on any COA with an Adobe and just click open Adobe, click edit, and that, you know, five milligrams per gummy turns to 10 milligrams per gummy and two clicks of buttons. So what, what we do is we put that QR code on there you can go to your phone, pop, and then just you're, you're pretty much confirming, is this correct? And the people that they're doing it right will have these types of things. So I know it's a lot and a lot of information coming out. I mean, the last thing, you wanna make sure it looks professional. Like I've seen ways back a long time ago that were hand-drawn with crayons, I felt like. That's what, that's what it was, and just someone making them or the company was making them themselves. I think it's changed. So, so the problem is as a consumer, you know, you at first ask the question, am I looking at a reputable COA from reputable lab? I mean, you can Google that lab. If it doesn't look very reputable, that's your answer. If the COA looks better, I mean, the more things that you, you can count towards. You can look for just a, I, I know consumers that have a favorite brand, like they like brand A for a hemp product and they trust lab A, B, and C. And that's the only ones. If you don't get a COA from A, B, and C, they're probably not going to trust you. So that, that's a sad part about the industry we're still in is there's COAs that are forged out there and stuff like that to, to kind of rip off the consumer. Right. Um, so definitely looking for those basic things. Are they batch number testing? Are they potency testing? Another th the nice thing about COAs, if you want to make sure it has all the other things that we talked about, like pesticide tests and things like that, a lot of pet providers now are doing that. So they're doing that full panel. 
and they're doing it like pseudo cannabis. There's states like Utah and Colorado that are actually have regulations coming out and they have suggested pesticide lists that are longer than the state of California even. So I think it's 104 in Utah. Uh, so that's a suggestion that's coming out. So we're working on developing that and we'll be testing out in Utah and we'll, we're working on the approved testing uh, vendor out there even though we're located in San Diego and Michigan as well. But so kind of broad statement, COA, look for a batch number, see what they're testing. See, does the results match up to what you're expecting? I'm looking for 10 milligrams of gummy, but it only says six. Okay, well, that's a problem. Maybe I shouldn't buy that product. Okay, yeah. So looking for a batch code, um, looking for the, you know, accepted uh, limits of variance, like you're saying, if, if you're buying a, a pack of gummies that say 25 milligrams uh, per gummy, then you want to look at, you know, is it 25 milligrams per unit? Or is it 25 milligrams on the whole bag, you want to look for uh, that kind of information, uh, validity and legitimacy of the lab, like you're saying, you can even do a little bit of background work on the labs um, to find out if you know, they are in fact, a real lab, <laughs> or, um, you know, know if there's something that an entity that's made up and um, like you're saying there's a lot of forged coas out there so as a consumer in you know looking for products um in the cbd industry that is not regulated you really need to do your due diligence and and make sure you're looking for these certificates of analysis and do a little bit of digging um, on the labs themselves and the brands and make sure that you are getting a quality consistent um compliant product um so you don't end up putting something in your body that you you know, is unwanted or that you're wasting money on something that doesn't have what you want in it. Um, so thank you for breaking that down because it can be a little confusing, but that's kind of just a simple way to um, look at COAs and interpret them. Um, how did you, how did you get into the cannabis industry? What, where did you, where does your story, story start with cannabis? So pretty, that, that's a kind of a funny story. I mean, I came into the cannabis testing industry based upon how, how poorly the labs, labs were in 2016. So what I mean by that, the, the, there's a lot of news stories out there in 2016 talking about analytical chemistry can't be done in cannabis. And as an analytical chemist, I took an insult to that. <laughs> and uh, we, we, I, I wanted to provide people with a secure solution. So, so what I mean by that, there's a lot of labs that were pay to play back then, as in you give them 50 bucks, you get the result you want. You wanted 10 milligrams, they typed in 10 milligrams and gave you a COA like that. So it was kind of a rampant industry with forgery and problems. And then the consumer safety. So as an analytical chemist, that's what we always provide. That's what we always hear for. I'm not here for profit. I'm not here for anything like that. I'm here to make sure the customer is getting the product that they're buying and they're safe. So that, that's the big things we always strive for at Denver Chemical Analysis Labs. In 2016, I mean, short, long story short, me and another chemist were working on an odd project that probably no one would understand that if I brought it up. And we said, do you want to go fix an industry that's potentially broken right now? And it's been our goal ever since to do that. And we fought very hard and, and long to get where we are. And uh, we, de we definitely always are uh, excelling the, the, the growth of laboratories in this country that are doing the right thing by putting pressure and make sure everyone's doing things uh, correctly and be able to provide safe products to consumers. Yeah, consumer safety, it's it should be number one in our industries and in cannabis and in hemp, um, you know, we're doing this for the greater good for for the health and wellness of, of the people and we need to make sure that uh, these unwanted um, substances don't end up in, in these products. Um, and really that starts with, you know, good biomass and, and organic cultivation practices. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm so happy that you that's, you know, one of your uh, focuses is consumer safety and 
why why is it you know important for um, cannabis and uh, medicinal and recreational users of cannabis and of CBD hemp derived products to look for um, these COAs and what are some of the things that maybe they want to look for and 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 would definitely not want to see on a COA but check for um, what are some of the substances or um, pesticides any sort of um, residuals that they would want to look for. Yeah, definitely. So that, that's one thing that we always take into account. It's not regulated right now, but there's a lot of good manufacturers out there in the hemp hemp industry as well as all the cannabis industry now that is is looking at things that that they're going above and beyond. So the hemp industry isn't regulated to do pesticide analysis, but if they're selling product in California or they want want some of the most stringent, they say we just use the same action levels as the state of California has for their hemp product or excuse me, for their cannabis product in their hemp material. So, so we do a lot of analysis like that. So when we talk about pesticide analysis, okay, so I break it down and think about it more logically. Am I going to eat the pesticide? Why? Because then we have years and years and years of FDA research, what happens when you eat this pesticide? And they kind of give us limits to say, is it bad to eat? Is it good to eat? So the problem is when we get to the smokable hemp products, nobody goes out there and smokes their celery and apples and they eat them. So there hasn't been a lot of studies done by the FDA to see what happens when you smoke this product. So there's some pyrolysis is going to be the breakdown of a compound. So if we're looking at microbutanil, let's say that's a common pesticide used in, in a lot of cultivation. Uh, when you smoke that product, you can create cyanide gas. You can create other products by just by you know combustion analysis or lighting it lighting it up or smoking a hemp product so when you when you're smoking something it's definitely more cautious to be looking at it. and that's kind of way the state of california did regulations so that's one thing is pesticide analysis that's really important i mean edibles we always do residual solvent analysis and any kind of edible that you eat with candies and stuff is already being done so you hope the hemp uh, hemp products can can continue that as well these things are just, you want to start looking at those COAs and saying, hey, is, it, is this company just doing cannabinoid analysis or potency analysis? Or are they taking a step further and making sure that the, I'm, they're producing a safe product for me to consume? Heavy metals is another product that you see in CBD that can be problematic because CBD plants are a bioremediator of heavy metals. So it makes sense a lot of times it comes through over. Uh, the distillation process to make distillate out of CBD, a lot of times you can remove the heavy metals during that process. But if you're just talking about CBD flour, uh, th this can be heavy, heavy metal contamination. I mean, that, that's linked as a carcinogen and other, other health effects that can potentially be dangerous for long-term consumption of by a consumer. So checking for those things definitely and making sure that the company you, you are happy to buy the product from is, is doing these things, going maybe above and beyond by the state's regulations and setting a new bar to look out for you as the consumer. So looking for things like residual solvents, pesticides, um, heavy metals, mold, like you're saying, um, those are things that you really want to avoid when you are ingesting uh, cannabis, um, specifically, you know, smoking it um, and CBD products as well. There'd be variations from one bud to the next. So they're going to be definitely variation. That's a great point. So what you have to do with any kind of industry, even, I mean, this, the, the, K, I mean the, the standard thing is bumper manufacturer, like a car bumper. They test the safety of a bumper, a car bumper. You can't use every bumper and test all of them. No bumpers left to use, right? Does that kind of make sense on the cars? So they're always going to grab mount and then they're going to look at the difference. So statistically, you should grab a 95% success or confidence variable to say, I, I have a, the product uh, being tested for all of it. So the state of California and cannabis, every 10 pounds they have to do, or excuse me, 50 pounds, they have to do a test. Michigan's 10 pounds. Um, 
they would have to do a test. So then we would randomly select out of that. So you're randomly taking the buds and then you homogenize the whole batch and do that. That's going to be the most successful way of doing it because you can't use it all because then there's nothing left to sell. But in the hemp industry, there's none of that. Uh, so hemp flour, we are doing that on the fields. We go out there, but you take very small quantities. I think we're doing a, it's doing a good job on that. The only thing is I would say the hemp products, there's no testing like that. So when, you, when you're talking about the hemp products, anything other than the flour itself, there's no testing regulation going on. There's no testing of these heavy metals or anything like that. All it is is potency right now. So, so it's kind of this double-edged sword that we're still, the, the regulations are still coming to play and still regulating. And that's why I said, like, in the beginning, make sure the, the, the manufacturer is putting a batch number on this product. Because that means he's doing his due diligence saying, hey, this was harvested and I'm going to test this 50 pounds. I'm going to test this 50 pounds. Or are they just saying, I want to test out of five or 500,000 pounds, I'm going to test this one plant. And then that's where it becomes not very, uh, not very confident you're getting the right product. Um, so it is very important to do that. And I mean, that the hemp industry is way behind in that compared to the cannabis industry. But I mean, it's moving along and there are good actors, I would always say, in the industry that are uh, doing the best practices for their customers. Yeah, definitely look for those COAs, uh, look for all those um, results, the heavy metals, the pesticides, the residual solvents. Um, like you're saying, the hemp industry is a little behind um, in terms of testing for the biomass. Cannabis industry is, is well ahead um, with that. And thank goodness, because we have a lot of uh, cannabis patients who need this medicine. Um, it, it's so important for them to have clean cannabis, clean medicine uh, to have access to that. So Hopefully the hemp industry won't be too far behind um, in terms of testing, but we've, we've talked a lot about testing, what we should look for um, in terms of certificates of analysis, but how are these products actually tested? I, I've heard of, um, I know a little bit about liquid chromatography, if I'm uh, pronouncing it correctly, yeah. but um, there's different forms, you know, there's different ways to test products. Can you tell me a little bit about the different kinds of testing that your lab does and what that process looks like? Definitely. So we, uh, we do cannabinoid analysis. So for cannabinoid analysis, I believe we have 34 different SOPs depending on the type of product. We've always focused on doing things not with a one single analysis, it'll never work. So we, we would take the sample, homogenize the sample. Most of the time it goes into a powder. But from taking that homogenized sample, now you have a, you know, a representative of their, your whole batch. Then we would process the sample or prep it for the HPLC run, or like you said, liquid chromatography. So we use HPLCs with a diode array detector. So it's just kind of looking at the absorbance of a compound. And then we use high... Uh, high resolution chromatography so very sharp peaks and we actually actually now offer 19 cannabinoids in one single run for the for the customers so they can see exotic cannabinoids not just a basic thc and cbd because there's other benefits for all of them so for for potency analysis or cannabinoid analysis we use a an hplc data detector a lot, a lot of things but it, it's a good method for a pesticide analysis we use two different instruments and anyone doing it correctly and i'll stand by that statement is using a gc or a gas chromatography uh, triple quad mass spectrometer minimum and an LC liquid chromatography triple quad mass spectrometer to do that you can get a good combined uh, way to look at pesticide analysis residual solvents we use a headspace GC uh, mass spec single quad and you can use FIDs and other things like that a lot of terminology talk uh, terpenes would be the same way as you do residual solvents, heavy metal analysis. You, you can use an ICPMS or an IEOES. ICPMS will have the highest uh, quanti or lowest quantitation that you can really get for to, to look for detectable levels. You should be looking at metals. Uh, we use real-time PCR. 
for uh, microbe detection, any, any kind of harmful uh, microbial that we're looking for. Um, what else we got? Uh, that's the various uh, list of various instruments and methods we use. So a lot of times uh, the labs too, so we've self-developed all these methods to, to look for these specific compounds. And we do exploratory work. Uh, I mean, the vitamin E acetate stuff, we knew it was vitamin E acetate a year before anyone else said it did because we saw that. And then we started talking about it, but it took a lot of time for other people to start looking at it and agreeing with it. So it's one of those things is as a testing lab, we're here for the safety. I mean, honestly, we're, the real, our real customers are the consumers, not the people that pay us money. So that's the way we treat it. So we always try to look more in depth, look for other pesticides, maybe not just on a standard list and, and uh, to be able to help out a cust, uh, you know, someone producing a product and letting them know that there could be a consumer harm by producing this. Yeah, the whole vaping controversy with the vitamin E acetate additives, that was, uh, that was very unfortunate that um, that substance was added into a lot of vapes on the market. Um, and I guess you had experienced that before uh, it kind of hit the, the, um, the new, you know, um, news in the industry before anyone really found out about it, um, which makes sense because you're testing these products on the daily. Um, <laughs> In regards to that, you know, you're seeing things kind of before they they hit mainstream um, news and media. What would you like to see for the future of um, testing regulation for cannabis and hemp? What would what would benefit uh, testing laboratories and uh, what would benefit the consumer safety side of things from a testing standpoint? I think the biggest thing that we should always remember is people are going to ingest this stuff some way or another, smoke it or inhale it. When, we, when, when there's a popular new thing or the, you know, the new thing on the block or something's coming out, I mean, I'm not going to, I'll say Delta 8, everyone's rushing for this Delta 8 manufacturer and everything else. Let's all take a step back and make sure it's safe to consume before we start selling it to the general population. I mean, there's, there's potentially a lot of research in doing it, but but these things, it's, you got to remember that we, we should be making sure it's safe for the consumer before we start mass producing these products. And the consumer should be a little more skeptical, not hear, oh, there's a new 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 thing in the industry. Let's go out and consume it. Let's make sure something's kind of being, a lot of people were, I mean, I don't want to bring this up, but I mean, COVID vaccines. There's a lot of people scared of COVID vaccines, but they'll run out and grab that Delta 8 real quick. It doesn't make sense. You guys, let's, let's take a step back, make sure stuff, stuff's safe. I'm not saying in any way with the COVID vaccine either way, but it's, it's not a problem, but let's, let's think about that. Don't just rush out there. And I think that's what happens in the industry that we're in between the hemp and cannabis is people see a new revenue stream and they run towards it. And it, it, that's the biggest thing that scares me as a testing lab and a consumer safety uh, lab. Right. There's so many uh, hot cannabinoids and uh, different substances and compounds in the plants. It seems like every other month or every few months, there's a new um, trending cannabinoid or terpenes are really hot right now. Delta 8 isomer, like you're saying. Um, and we don't, you know, the truth is, there is a lot of uh, research in the background that's happening. And there is a lot of mounting evidence um, for, you know, cannabis as a medicine um, that we've been researches I've been working on for decades. But the truth is, is that we don't really know a ton about a lot of these cannabinoids, especially the newer ones like CBG, CBC, CBN, um, you know, specifically 
terpenes, uh, isomers like delta-8 and delta-10, like you're mentioning. We don't know that much about them. Yes, we know a lot about uh, CBD and THC relative to the amount of research that is out there right now. Um, but like you're saying, let's just, you know, let's Let's do some more research. Let's let's make sure you know the testing is adequate um, before we start consuming these products because we want the best. You know, if we're looking to to improve our health and our wellness, we want the best products um, available to us, and we want to use those um, to improve our, our health and wellness. So let's just let's slow it down a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> um, and one thing I would really want to bring up about that too, it's not even just a category what I'm talking about. Like so, like even delta eight, it's how delta eight is getting produced. And what possible residuals are left over or intermediates or side reactions are happening and creating different compounds and then they're just flooding the market. So it's not just necessarily the cannabinoid, but the way that's produced or manufactured and then the problem with having residual contaminants left in it. That's a big thing that I would say take take the big hint on. That's what scares me more than the, the cannabinoids themselves. Yeah. And definitely um, testing is, you know, something you want to look at, especially with these newer, uh, newer products, these new cannabinoids and new like Delta eight um, products that are coming out. Look for those COAs, look for, you know, what's in the product um, and in the batches. Um, so there are so many CBD <laughs> and cannabis products on the market today. There's, I mean, there's just tons left and right. We got it, you know, CBD products for our hair. We have cannabis products for, um, you know, in the shower, um, for our teeth, you know, it just like the list goes on and on. And that's great. There's a lot out there um, and a lot of them are really great. Some of them are just kind of for fun and, and that's okay. Um, but I, I, myself, I love full spectrum oils, um, CBD oils. I like a really good cream or a balm for pain. What kind of products do you like? I mean, you've been in the space for a while. What kind of CBD products and cannabis products do you like to use? I, I say same, same type of thing you're saying. I think the balms and stuff, you, I've seen and known people that couldn't walk anymore because of back problems and they started using balms. I'm not saying that's for everyone or it's working like that, but I think what you what you hit the nail on the head a lot, a lot with it too is the full spectrum products are, are necessarily, you're going to get more of a possible benefit from those and not just isolating one thing. No, that, that's, I completely agree with what you were saying. Those would, I, I believe, are the most beneficial things you can, you can purchase. Yeah. And, and isolates are great um, for people. I have a lot of um, uh, service members. I have doctors and nurses who use our products and they, you know, they can't have THC in their system. So, um, but they still would like to benefit from the uh, use of CBD. So isolates a great option for them. A lot of people are sensitive to THC also. So isolates a good option there um, for those people, but full spectrum is definitely where I see the most benefit uh, for the use of CBD if you can. Um, so that's awesome. Full spectrum all the way. Uh, thank you so much for being with us today, Josh. It was a pleasure having you on the show. Definitely, Gabby. I appreciate the opportunity of coming on. Uh, if you ever need anything, let me know. Absolutely. And thank you all for joining us today. It was a pleasure having you all here. Until next time, stay well, keep asking questions, and we will talk to you soon. opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.